Welcome to another episode of the Alter Your Health Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, hello and welcome. We value your time and energy and hope you receive a lot from tuning in. As a listener-supported show, we rely on you to help us grow. We'd be so grateful if you share the show or a favorite episode with a friend or fellow health seeker. Living a healthy and nourishing life doesn't always come easily, especially in today's crazy world. But that's why we're here, doing what we love, hopefully helping you along with information and inspiration that fuels your health pursuits. If you're looking for more support, consider subscribing to the monthly Meal Guide membership. Just $11 per month gets you access to a weekly meal guide filled with healing and delicious whole food plant-based recipes, along with invitations to our regularly scheduled support calls where we can connect, answer questions, and keep the good vibes flowing in our healthy lives. You can learn more at www.alter.health slash meal dash guides. And if you're looking for more in-depth support, check out our other services. We offer both one-on-one consulting as well as educational programs. All of our current offerings are listed at www.alter.health. Our ultimate goal is to empower you to heal yourself. Keeping with that theme, let's dive into today's show. Hey, everyone, and welcome to our next podcast in the Plant-Based Life Cycle Nutrition Series. And we are talking about toddler nutrition in today's episode. Uh, I promised Ben I would keep this closer to 20 minutes, so I'm going to do my best here, right, and just cut to the chase. And in last week's episode, we talked about nutrition for babies, uh, six months to 12 months, and we really talked about how that's, that's the phase where we're starting to introduce solids. Babies are starting to drink less and less either breast milk or formula. They're getting more of their nutrition and calories from their food. And it really is around 12 months where um, babies become toddlers, but also um, are capable of getting their nutrition from food. However, you know, we're going to talk about, okay, what, what does the transition from, you know, breast milk and formula to different types of milk look like? We're going to be talking all about that. Um, we're going to be talking about what specific considerations we need um, to consider for our plant-based little kiddos if um, we are supporting a plant-based or plant-predominant lifestyle for our toddlers. Um, we'll also be talking about just kind of the, the benefits, the real benefits. Of, uh, of our toddlers having a plant-based diet as well. Um, so let's just talk a little bit about this period where, you know, we're kind of transitioning away from formula or breast milk and transitioning into eating more and more foods. I think it's really interesting to note and, and hear that the World Health Organization actually recommends uh, babies and, and toddlers uh, to actually continue to breastfeed until um, their second year when possible, until age two. Um, and that's because obviously these toddlers still get so much great nutrition from their mother's milk. Um, however, we know that, you know, there are lots of different uh, things that come up in a family's decision around when to stop breastfeeding. Sometimes it's the baby's decision. They wean themselves from breast milk. Um, however, you know, it's, it's just, it's good to know that um, throughout that, that, 
you know, second year of life, uh, that breast milk can really still be a great source of nutrition, especially, you know, calcium and proteins and fats, and can actually take the place of, uh, you know, some other kind of animal milk, or even plant milk. Um, so we'll dive into that milk conversation a little bit more. Um, but it is important also to, you know, kind of um, make the distinction that this doesn't mean that our babies then need to continue drinking formula in into their second year. Um, it's really at that 12 month mark where or that one year mark, I should say, uh, where the recommendation from the AAP, the American Academy of Pediatrics, is that uh, your child can then transition from formula over to cow's milk or uh, a plant milk that's been fortified with calcium. Um, so that's kind of the official recommendation. Uh, toddler formulas aren't necessary. That and ends up that that's kind of more of a, a, a marketing thing. Um, our kiddos are able to get all the nutrition they need from food and also a good nutrient dense, you know, either cow milk or we're, we're plant-based here. We're talking about plant-based nutrition, right? So um, the real alternative recommendation is soy milk fortified with calcium. And also there are some, some newer plant milks on the market that are um, sourced from peas or sourced from other legumes that are high in protein. Um, so, and also fortified with calcium so that that's also a good well-rounded plant milk. But the big word of caution around simply substituting cow's milk with plant milk is that not all plant milks are equal nutritionally. If we look at the nutritional profile of almond milk or rice milk or oat milk, we see that they either, they don't have as much fat, they don't have as much protein, they don't have as many micronutrients. A lot of these milks are just kind of, um, you know, <laughs> Ben, ben sometimes calls them like flavored water. Um, and of course, we want to make sure that the plant milks that we're giving to our, our little ones are also free of added sugars and other, you know, extra ingredients that aren't aren't ideal for any anybody of any age. Right. Um, but the reason why milk becomes um, a recommended, you know, beverage around age one is because it's really just a very convenient way for the kiddo to receive calcium, vitamin D, protein, and fat. Um, you know, it's just super convenient. They, they are used to drinking milk. They just drink this beverage. And, um, you know, when you're around age one, your, your stomach is still really tiny. So it might be hard to get all the calcium, all the other nutrients that we need from more fibrous whole uh, plant foods. And that's why getting that nutrition from a beverage can be really convenient um, to, to get the sheer quantity of nutrition that they need. Um, so that's why milk is that kind of official recommendation or, you know, the plant-based alternative uh, fortified soy milk. And soy milk and these other kind of pea protein milks really are, are the only ones that compare to the nutritional breakdown of cow's milk in terms of their calcium, their vitamin D, their um, fat, and their protein uh, content. So 
So we're, you know, we're well into this kind of milk conversation here. Um, but also just want to go back to there being that option still um, for the one-year-old uh, to, to still get all of this nutrition from their mother's milk, if that is what the family chooses and the baby still, um, still prefers. And I think it's helpful to know that even though human milk contains less calcium than uh, cow's milk or soy milk, that the calcium in that human milk is over has over twice the bioavailability of calcium in these other, you know, animal milks or soy milk. Um, so the calcium that's in mother's milk is, you know, I guess I would say like more, more valuable, but the, the typical, the, the actual term is more bioavailable, more bioavailable, of course. Um, so, so yeah, so, you know, I, I'll just share, you know, my kind of personal, uh, view on this, my personal opinion on this. Um, I didn't talk about this much in last week's episode, but there is this approach now called baby led weaning, where the parents really just let the child choose, um, when they want to wean from their mother in terms of, you know, um, choosing how much food they eat and how much milk they eat and, and gradually kind of easing into eating more and drinking less. And so rather than kind of micromanaging how much food the baby eats, um, we simply just kind of present the food at each meal and let the baby feed themselves. Uh, let the baby, you know, actually pick up the food and put it into their own mouth versus us kind of trying to, to get the food in them. And this really organic, intuitive way, um, I think it's so beautiful because it really, you know, it, it puts it in the hands of the wisdom of our babies. And it it's a beautiful way that we can honor uh, their innate intelligence, their innate wisdom, honor what their body is telling them. And there really is so much variation in um, the process of when a baby decides uh, to wean themselves from their mother's milk. Um, but I know for me, I'll just share what our plan is. Our plan is to continue breastfeeding after, you know, Grace um, turns one and um, to continue to offer that option for her until she weans herself. And when she does wean herself, then we will switch to um, an organic soy milk so that there is a convenient way to get that concentrated amount of uh, calories, calcium, vitamin D, protein, and fat. Um, but let's just, you know, take a step back. I know we just kind of dove into this milk conversation because that's one of the biggest, biggest kind of topics when we're talking about toddler nutrition. Um, I just wanted to speak briefly to the real benefits of um, plant-based eating for kiddos because when we look, when we take a step back and look at the overall statistics of nutrition for, you know, American toddlers, we see that there's a lot of them falling short of the ideal nutrition. So just some stats here I want to share. Um, generally, kids aren't getting enough calcium, dietary fiber, potassium, or vitamin D. 90% um, of toddlers are actually falling short of recommended intakes. Um, we see also that 95% uh, of toddlers are also eat, not eating really enough whole grains, but exceeding in the refined grain consumption. Um, we also see that in general, the trend is that 
they're getting too much added sugar and too much sodium for what their little bodies can handle, their little kidneys can handle. Um, and oh, oh yeah, that that 90% uh, mark also is that 90% of toddlers are falling short of recommended intakes for vegetable consumption. And so, you know, I, I just, knowing these kind of statistics, we see the real benefit of eating plant-based and specifically plant-based eating that is focused on whole plant foods, right? Um, you know, I, I think of what Grace is eating, even though she's, you know, still probably only getting, I don't know what percentage of calories from from food at this point, not very much, but um, she's getting so much fiber because she's eating whole foods. Um, and so, of course, when we are starting our kiddos off with this um, very, you know, very diverse diet with lots of different plants, lots of different um, fruits and lots of different vegetables, it really sets them up for having better nutrition throughout toddlerhood. And I know, you know, picky eating is a whole thing we're not going to get into right now. Um, but it has been shown that baby led weaning where you, you give them lots of foods. It's actually the, the amount um, that's been studied is that if you introduce a hundred new foods before the baby turns one, they're less likely to be picky as they, as they go through their toddlerhood. Um, so we'll see if, if that's the case with us. Um, but anyway, we just we just see the benefit of, um, you know, just starting our kiddos off with this strong foundation of eating lots of fresh plant foods. Right. Um, however, there are definitely some considerations we have to we have to make in order to make sure that they are not becoming deficient in any nutrients as well. Um, you know, this goes for all kiddos, not just plant-based kiddos, but um, there are definitely, you know, um, some specific things that come up when we consider plant-based kiddos. So um, let's just dive into that right now. Um, you know, let's talk about the first nutrient I'd like to talk about are our omega-3 fatty acids. And this goes kind of across the board, regardless of what diet the, the kid is eating, omnivorous, vegetarian, or vegan, most kiddos also aren't getting enough omega-3 fatty acids. On average, they're getting 20 milligrams a day, but what's really recommended is 100 to 150 milligrams a day. Um, so most kids are falling short. And if we think about our dietary sources of omega-3 fatty acids, of course, fish generally comes to mind. So um, not a lot of toddlers are eating a lot of fish. So it makes sense that, uh, you know, that a lot of toddlers are falling short. Um, and, and that recommendation I should mention of 100 to 150 milligrams a day is specifically EPA and DHA. Um, so our, you know, elongated active uh, versions of omega-3 fatty acids, not ALA, which is found in our plant sources like flax and chia. Um, so we don't really have the research yet comparing like, you know, <laughs> ALA intake versus DHA intake and outcomes in terms of, you know, um, brain development and visual development and all of this stuff. But um, what is known at this point is that um, that DHA is very important for brain development, that um, good DHA status has been shown uh, to support higher IQ and optimal function of the brain and retina. Um, so all, all these things, you know, our, our vision is 
just an extension of our nervous system, right? Just an extension of our brain. And that low serum levels of omega-3 fatty acids um, have been reported with children with more developmental and behavioral disorders like ADD or ADHD, dyslexia, and so on and so forth. So that's why, you know, there's been more and more talk about DHA and how it's so important for um, our kiddos developing brains. Um, so when we talk about plant-based eating, you know, really the only good source of DHA um, and EPA is from an algae oil. And so this is where that supplement, bringing in that supplement um, of around 100 to 150 milligrams a day of EPA, DHA combined can be really helpful for plant-based kiddos. Okay, um, let's just talk about protein because it's really easy to talk about protein. We don't need to worry about protein because it's been studied that, you know, across the board, as long as, well, well you know, and there are situations where, um, you know, maybe kids aren't eating enough. And if they're not eating enough volume in general, then yeah, they're going to probably fall short of protein. But um, protein generally is not a nutrient that um, is of much concern for any kind of, you know, pediatric nutritional specialist, because most kids are getting plenty of protein. Most kids are actually getting double the amount of protein they need, regardless of an omnivorous vegetarian or vegan diet. Um, protein needs in this age range, one to three is really 13 grams a day. Um, and that's very easy to meet uh, with plant foods. So it's generally not, not, anything we need to really, you know, concern ourselves with too much. Um, but let's talk about vitamin D. We know no matter what your age, um, vitamin D is, um, or sorry, no, first I wanted to talk about vitamin B12. <laughs> vitamin B12. If you're eating a plant-based diet, we know we need to source this from supplements as well. Um, you know, before age one, babies are getting their vitamin B12 through their mother's milk if their mother is supplementing with vitamin B12, which is the recommendation. But once they turn one, they can get that direct supplement themselves, especially, you know, if they're not continuing to breastfeed. Um, so the recommendation for that is five to 10 and micrograms a day. And what can be really easy is to find uh, like a multivitamin that has both, you know, vitamin um, B12. And even, even sometimes the omega-3s are in that um, kind of gummy multivitamin as well. We'll talk about the pros and cons of those multivitamins also in a bit. Um, but the big key is that at age one, those kiddos need to start taking their own B12. So vitamin D, vitamin D, um, if you've been following along in our life cycle series, you know that um, from birth, it's recommended that our little babes get a direct supplement also of 400 IUs of vitamin D, and that's regardless of diet. Um, and that's because um, of the inconsistent uh, amounts of vitamin D in mother's milk. So it's become this recommendation from the AAP. We talked in previous episodes about how there actually is a way um, to ensure that mothers have enough vitamin D in their milk if they're supplementing enough. But regardless, either the mother or the baby has to supplement. And so around age one, the the dose of vitamin D increases from 400 IU up to 300 IU a day. Um, and, you know, there are foods like, you know, cow's milk and also the plant milks that are fortified with vitamin D. Um, you just, you know, typically there's, there's not enough vitamin D in that fortified cow's milk or plant milk um, in order to meet the recommended daily amount. Um, you know, the kid would probably have to drink like four glasses of 
milk, um, which isn't recommended due to the calcium content, how that if, if we're drinking too much or taking in too much calcium, it can actually block the absorption of iron and lead to increased rates of anemia. So it's not recommended to get all the vitamin D you need via milk. Um, so that's why still vitamin D supplement is recommended in this age range. Um, moving on to calcium, we talked just a little bit about calcium when we were talking about milk and, uh, or toddlers calcium needs are 700 milligrams a day. That's quite a bit of calcium considering that the adult needs a thousand milligrams a day. Um, so as we talked about, this doesn't need to come from cow's milk. It actually doesn't even need to come from, you know, the alternative fortified soy milk, for example. As long as the kid is getting enough calcium-rich food in their diet or, you know, also consuming breast milk, um, yeah, like, then they're getting the calcium they need. Um, it's, this is... I think the big take home is as long as they're getting it in, then they're getting it in and they're covered. It, it doesn't really matter if it comes from cow's milk or soy milk or whatever. But like I said, the reason why the cow milk and soy milk recommendation is there is because it's just so convenient for families um, to, to get the calcium into their toddlers via milk. It's a very convenient um, mode of uh, calcium delivery. Um, and the truth is, the truth is that because toddler stomachs are so little, if we're relying on whole foods like leafy greens and white beans, legumes and tahini and, you know, tofu as the calcium source, the kiddo's stomach might not be big enough to allow enough food uh, to meet calcium needs at this age. Um, so yes, that's once again, why that fortified soy milk can be really, really helpful or breast milk. If the kiddo is still drinking breast milk, um, yeah. Anything else I wanted to say about vitamin? Oh, oh, about calcium. You know, I actually, I, I took it upon myself to just kind of play around in chronometer to see, okay, what, like, what kind of toddler meals can I put together to see if Grace could get 700 milligrams of uh, calcium a day when she's a toddler? And I admit it was really, really hard. Um, so that's why, you know, I do feel like when we get to that age, we probably will bring in some of that soy milk. All right. And then the last nutrient to really talk about is iodine. Um, and so when the, when, <laughs> when the baby or the toddler uh, is fully weaned from breast milk or formula, this is when you need to start considering iodine. They need to get it from their diet. Um, milk, the breast milk was the good source of iodine for the baby. But um, yeah, when, when they're, when they've weaned, they need it from the diet. So we consider, okay, what are our good dietary sources of iodine? And um, mostly it's, you know, um, there's some small amount in, in land vegetables. Um, there's quite a bit in seafood, which again, not many toddlers are eating much seafood. There's a lot in seaweed. However, seaweed isn't a great reliable source of iodine because you just never really know how much iodine you're getting in your seaweed. And let's say the kiddo just loves, is going like wild with the seaweed. They really like the flavor of the seaweed and they're eating, eating, eating a ton of it. They might get way too much for what their little thyroid can handle. Um, so seaweed isn't the best um, kind of 
uh, reliable, regular source of iodine. That's why, you know, several world governments have put iodine in salt, um, you know, just small, small amounts in table salt. Um, but, you know, there's there's really trade-offs, right? There's the negative effects of relying on salt for, or table salt for our iodine as well. Um, so what's, what's the best solution here um, for a dietary source of iodine, you know, we got to weigh the pros and cons, but I'll just share my opinion would be a supplementation is a really um, reliable way of getting good quality iodine in at an amount that you know, um, you know, the, the recommended amount at this age is around 90 micrograms. And a lot of um, kids multivitamins have about half of that amount 45 micrograms, considering they'll get the rest of it in their diet. Um, so this is when, you know, supplementation in the form of a multivitamin can also be a good convenient way to get not only the iodine, but also uh, B12 and the omega-3 fatty acids. And the other nutrients in those multivitamins are just kind of there to kind of like fill in any gaps. Um, but uh, I think one of the big messages that is coming through this uh, plant-based life cycle nutrition series is to, you know, not be ashamed of using supplements that they can be helpful in these phases of life where it might be harder to get in, you know, denser, denser forms of um nutrients from certain foods, whether, you know, it's a little kiddo that's got a smaller stomach or it's a pregnant woman who's feeling nauseous, um, so on and so forth. So um, I've been doing some research. I actually, I, I, one of the reasons why I felt like I wasn't quite ready to come on and record this podcast episode was because I, I wanted to find the supplement. I wanted to find the supplement that I felt comfortable with, um, you know, giving to Grace when she's this age. And unfortunately, I continue to find a lot of supplements that have, um, you know, sugar in them, organic cane sugar. It's not the worst thing, but it's also not really what I want to be giving to her also. Um, so I'm continuing to search to find a good toddler multivitamin that covers all of these nutritional bases. When I do find it, um, I'll, we'll have to update the show notes <laughs> so that you can find the link and, and source it yourself. Um, but anyway, I, uh, hope that, hope that I covered all the stuff I wanted to cover. Um, I'm 24 minutes, so uh, I, I told Ben I would be under 20, so I'm already over. So I think I'm just going to go ahead and wrap up today's episode. And next week, we're going to be talking about nutrition for, you know, our, our older kids, um, older childhood uh, nutrition. And we'll see some similar themes for sure. Um, but I, I hope, my hope is that in the next episode, we'll be talking more about actual foods to bring in. Um, for example, you know, bringing in some oils is appropriate and okay at this age, bringing in some more processed whole grains like whole grain bread or whole grain pasta is okay at this age as well. Because once again, smaller tummies might need more uh, calorie dense uh, forms of food to make sure that they are getting enough to fuel their active and growing bodies. Um, so we'll be talking more about that in next week's episode. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you then.